This is the Diversified Industrials Think Tech podcast. It's a series that's going to bring you global perspectives on the legal and commercial implications of some really exciting emerging technologies that are transforming diversified industrial conglomerates and our clients all around the world. All right, and we're back with part two of our two-part session on drones. So, Lou, over to you. How's how's the regulatory regime um, developing in China? I think in China it's also the same, similar as um, what Lisa said. That the path we're we're going to going down to similar paths in China in terms of those regulations, because uh, the technology always um, develop faster than the lawmakers changing the laws. So what we see here in China is the national level, we have those rules actually been existing since 1996 or since even 2000. As for the national level rules, those rules are generally applied to all types of um, aircrafts, but not specifically on drones. So, but drones are still be subject to the national rule regulations. So we see that at national level, the laws it's kind of far behind the drone development. However, at the you know local level, the local local governments are trying to catch up and they're trying to catch up with those um, different industrial players. Like in in the northwest China, we just this year have a pilot rule that allow for the civilian unmanned aerial vehicle distribution logistics uh, flying, you know, in that uh, that's comparatively, you know, it's kind of a rural area, not rural area, but it's uh, not as condensed in terms of population as that in Beijing. Mm-hmm. So over there, it start to have uh, those uh, logistic uh, business being trialed out. And uh, JD.com actually just got their permits to to fly over do the delivery over there it's on the trial basis so we see the local level rule is uh, well advanced um, better than the national level but generally that in china you know under the current drone regulation we see that generally drone will be regulated similar as an automobile okay so if you need to fly a drone the drone pilots will be required to be registered or even certain type of drones if you fly certain type of drones you will need to get the license pass the pass the exam get the license just like uh, car drivers they need to get a driver license as for the drone to fly over you need to report and even get a prior approval for the fly certain type of flight so you need, you need to get the airworthiness certificates to fly in the air and also there are also other regulations in terms of you know when you can fly it at um, you know and which area you cannot fly it lisa are they doing the same in the u.s are you going to have to have a license to be able to fly these in the u.s as well yes absolutely right okay yeah um sorry lou you were saying yeah no i just saying that um chinese government because the chinese um drone companies have been well developed in China. So Chinese government actually try best to have some small trial basis rules in place from time to time. So since 2015, that the first drone related regulation has been promulgated on the trial basis. That is for the light and small drones operation. 
the light and small, it means that the net weight of the drone can now be more than 116 kilograms. Okay. And the full weight with the package on it can now be more than 150 kilograms. And also there is kind of airspeed limitation. That kind of drone cannot be flying uh, faster than 100 kilometers an hour. So, so for this kind of uh, light and small drones, we have this um, regulation in 2015 uh, applied. And it, in the regulation, it will, it will tell you where you can fly. But uh, just in terms of um, certain re re restrictions in terms of, um, you know, the area you cannot fly. So basically, the drone can only, under that regulation, the drone can only fly in the areas beyond restricted areas and uh, make way to other manned aircrafts. So if you have a manned aircraft, the drones need to give way to the manned aircraft okay. based on their regulations. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm, I'm quite interested too. I mean, we've talked a lot about you know the pilots and they have to get licenses and whatnot. Are there regulations in place, or are people contemplating unmanned drones and the use of these, particularly for like agricultural uses? I imagine mm -hmm. that would be helpful. Is there anything related to that? It's supposed to be unmanned aircraft, but uh, you always have to make sure you can gain the control back whenever there's anything out of the control. So. I think in practice for now, it's still, it's still kind of in practice, still manned aircraft. Yeah, um, remotely controlled, right? Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, remote, like remotely piloted. I think what you're referring to, are you referring to as like autonomous, what, what we would think of as autonomous? Autonomous right. drive, yeah. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah, so right now, and this is very interesting because it's very similar in the U.S. You know, from the FAA's perspective, they have regulated manned aviation with the idea that there is always a pilot on board who can see and avoid other aircraft and other drones, right? They don't really care about if a drone falls out of the sky if there's nobody around mm -hmm. and doesn't hurt anyone, and they don't care if a drone flies away as long as it doesn't hit anything else in the national airspace. And right now, it, because the whole focus has been on human eyes in the manned aviation context, there has not been a, a comfort level with the idea of automation within the FAA just yet. There always has to be a remote mm. pilot that's in the loop and human eyes there. And, and that's why the rule allows for visual observers, which are actually just additional people you know, kind of like the crew that, that Lou is describing that would also be involved with the drone operation. But as you note, of course, in the future, this is all going to be automated and there are, aren't going to be pilots out there with the drones. And, you know, but that's a one thing that the, you know, that the FAA is considering how, how to regulate that. Yeah, so a bit far off still, it sounds like, right? Yeah. How, about, how about in China, Lou? Yeah, it's the same, I think, of what I said that, um, you know, you need to, even if... Um, you're supposed to fly the drone away, so that's how to, you want to use the drones to free people's hand. But in China, still, it's at least for the safety purpose at this moment. So also, or it's still required. You need always be able to gain the control back when you need it. Yeah. So if you're thinking about it from a business efficiency perspective, you still need a person, right? It's it's you still need a person operating and having that line of sight, et cetera. So, um, you know, you're, you're not necessarily getting the economies of scale that you might, you might hope. Um, okay. Sorry about that, Lou. Lou, back, back to you. No, I think, uh, yeah, that's pretty much, I think that there is something we are looking forward to uh, that in China as well, in terms of the drone regulations, because there are several rules have been drafted this year's this year and for the public comments 
and we are waiting for those regulations to be to be promulgated late soon. Soon, one is relates to the the Oman those drone related、um, flight management regulations. Hopefully, if that rule can be promulgated later on, you don't have to for certain kind of drones you don't have to apply for the flight. To fly approval every time when you make a flight, so you can even probably do a flight for the for a specific route for for a period of time, something like that. So that something actually can be more efficient for the companies if they need to fly a route very frequently. They don't need to do the report every day,、uh, every time when they all need they don't need to get approval every time. So that's the efficiency we're looking for. And also, more promising part is that I mentioned that、uh, in one area, the northwest part of China, we have this、uh, logistic-related drone operation regulations in place.、Mm, yeah. And then now we're looking for that there could be some national level regulation in terms of、uh, logistics、uh, drone operation in China to be effective. The the comment the draft has been just published for the comment. The comment has been. Just ended around December nine, and this regulation was provide some specific guidelines in terms of how the operating conditions, operating procedures, maintenance, special condition, situation handling, safety issue in terms of the logistic logistic related drone operations. So we we look forward for more specific regulation on the drone sector in China that will provide better certainty for the people who want to commercialize the drones in for better use in China. I, I was just going to ask one question actually, just as an aside, just thinking about all these the, the changing regulations. I, I assume for both of your practices, you are supporting clients. In lobbying the relevant ministries and government officials in the development of this legislation, yeah, we are in the U.S. I mean, the big legislation around drones for us, the more, most recently, was the FAA Reauthorization Act of 2018, and so there was a lot of lobbying that went in around everything from many of the issues that we've discussed: remote identification, expanded operations. Operations beyond visual on a site, you know,、uh, attempts to move the commercial drone industry forward, and not just for,、um, you know, there's a lot of focus with our clients on the small drones, of course, but also the larger drones as well. And there's a lot of interest in using larger drones, for example, for mapping. And the challenge sometimes with the smaller drones is that there's there's not a whole lot of battery power, and so they can only stay in the air for so long, right? In order to get More durability and longer operations. You need to go larger, and so that's something else that the that the industry is really focused on. But、um, you know, through, for for us, both our clients individually, you know, do lobbying, and then the Commercial Drone Alliance does does some lobbying as well、um, in advocacy around just moving the commercial drone industry forward around all of these different policy issues. And and Lou, I assume you're doing some advocating in that regard in China as well. In China, I think our lobbying activities are different from what you can do in the U.S. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, in China, we're not used to this kind of culture here. Okay. But now the Chinese government are more open-minded than before, and they are willing to listen to the 
industry operators as well because they need to catch up and understand the industry well. So what we do these days is just whenever the government, a lot of time the government doing that as well. When Before they promulgate a regulation, they may publish the draft for the public comments, the solicitation for the comments. And that's where we help, we communicate with our clients who are particularly concerned on those kind of specific sectors. We can, we can help with provide and submit our comments through the public comment route. And also sometimes the government may organize closed door discussions with certain industry or the associations. And that's where sometimes we can help, um, we can participate or even sometimes we encourage our client to participate as well. That will encourage them both way uh, communications and understand of each other. And I know that a lot of uh, drone companies, particularly in, in China, they, they are very active in this um, kind of activities because they think that they are able to help with the lawmakers to making a law that is more practical and commercially makes sense. So thanks very much for that, both of you. I just thought it was a bit interesting to think about in the context of our clients who are very interested in this space and want to know how they can you know, influence the process or be involved in, in the drafting of the regulations in which their business is going to operate. Why don't we change tact a little bit now and move away from the legal side of it and talk about you know, some of the biggest challenges, some of the practical challenges, for example, that your clients are facing as they adopt this technology. Lisa, what, what sort of challenges are you seeing in the U.S.? Sure, Jackie. So there's a number of them. I mean, we've talked a lot about the safety kind of legal and regulatory challenges. Obviously, the policies have lagged behind innovation, which has resulted in, in a challenging regulatory environment. But there are actually a bunch of other policy and some of these are legal issues, but they are they have been challenging to clients, and it's important it's very important to understand them first, you know obviously, if a company is looking to fly somewhere they're wherever they're looking to fly, there may be state and local laws and rules that would also apply. Many of these tend to be you know as I said the at the federal level, safety is regulated, and that's where the f a comes in but at the state and local level, we often see local ordinances or legislation that would implicate privacy issues or property rights issues. So the American public is actually, when you look at some of the the polling that's been done, the American public is, is actually more focused on the privacy implications of drone use okay. rather than the safety imp- implications. Of course, they're also worried about safety, but they're more worried about privacy. And we see that in popular culture, right? I don't know if, you you know, we have lots of different TV shows. I think every one of them has some sort of drone spying episode as part of, as part of the run at this point. And so people are worried about drones flying and hovering above their, outside their bedroom window. But then you also have companies that are worried about, about rogue drones that are flying above their airspace and stealing, you know, intellectual property, for example. And so this privacy issue has, is something that there's a lot of talk about. And I think partly due to that, there's public perception issues, right? So educating the American public about the benefits of drone use is a really important task for the commercial drone community at large, because the more people understand what drones are there to do, we've talked about drones and disaster response and recovery efforts and saving lives um, after hurricanes, right? 
when they learn that, okay, I understand what those drones are there for, then they're comfortable, but there definitely needs to be education. And so for individual companies, what that means is you have to understand what the local rules are in your towns and communities um, where you're flying. And it's often helpful as well to do outreach in the local community to let people know what you guys are, what, what you're going to be doing so that there's no concern, especially if you're flying in the vicinity where other, where other people might be. If you're on your own property, obviously that's a, a whole different story. And then, you know, I mentioned property rights, but this has become a huge issue here in the U.S. But the idea of I own my airspace above my house because, you know, I own the land in the sky above it. And so you can't fly your drone over my property. Oh, yeah. And we've seen this a bunch um, across the country and in towns and communities across the U.S., both from the perspective of homeowners wanting to try to keep drones from flying above their houses, companies from wanting to kind of own their own airspace, but then also from people who want to be able to fly in their own backyards without getting their remote pilot certificate, for example, for if they're using it for a commercial purpose. So these airspace ownership and property rights ownership issues have also been really key to the debate. And it's something that we're watching really closely. Um, and they've generally been playing out at the state and local level. So I would related to some of the safety issues we talked about earlier. There are other challenges. Uh, if you're going to go get, for example, if you're going to go get approvals, the FAA is going to ask you for a, a lot of data, but you might not, you're not going to have that data because it's illegal to fly. So it's like the chicken or the egg problem. So there are also just some practical challenges related to some of the regulatory hurdles that we talked about. And we help, we work with a lot of clients on those types of issues. Yeah, interesting. Uh, Lou, is it similar in China? Yes, yes. I think um, in China, I would see that probably 10 years ago, people are now very keen to the privacy concern as um, how we see that in U.S. I stayed in U.S. Uh, for a couple of years before I came back. I know that in U.S., people, you need to keep the space with each other and you need to respect the other's um, privacy. But in China, we have such a large population. So privacy wasn't a big issue for us. But these days, I think the government does um, concern about the individual citizens' privacy as well. So we have a bunch of privacy-related regulations uh, being published, and government always relates to those privacy regulations. Um, a lot of time, if it's concerned the personal information, if you're collecting personal information, if you use personal information, usually you need to get a consent from the individual. That is some sort of a requirement actually enhance the difficulty for the drone companies if they do collect data or stuff relates to the personal information. If you're taking a picture of an individual person, that may cause a privacy concern sometimes. So those um, the privacy issue is also something that um, drone companies should think about and um, uh, should be concerned. But in the good thing in China is that uh, we don't have uh, that kind of a complicated uh, federal level laws and uh, local level or state level regulations, we are quite unified. Even if we have some local, we call it regulation, but it's, it's, it usually it has to be consistent with the national level. So that's a, that's a layer of uh, sim simplicity there. But in China, I think the most challenging thing is the safety issue in terms of the drone operations. Like Lisa said, you need to educate the population regarding the safety of the flying of drones around the population. Also, you need to educate 
the government in terms of the safety of the your drone drones operations, because otherwise the government can promulgate its regulations that's very restrictive that will not give you much freedom for the business operations in China. So by seeing that, I think another thing is、um, in China we still have this kind of foreign investment regulations that、uh, concern about certain type of regulation, certain a certain type of technology, certain type of application of the technology usage in China. So this is something that we always、um, pre-warn our international client: if you want to come into China to do the business, the first thing you need to check is that what you want to do in China, whether that kind of activity will be allowed to be freely operated by a wholly owned foreign entity, or you need to partner with another partners. I think the recent, you know, this year, this recent U.S.-China tension thing, does make the foreign companies'、uh, operation in China has been the restrictions has been lifted lifted up a bit, but not totally lifted up yet. So. Always, it's good thing you need to do the check on that. And also, if you want to do the operation set up business in China, another challenge, other foreign company may not be aware of it that in China we have this foreign currency control regime as well. So for your capital to come into China and later distribute out of China, you are subject to this foreign exchange control regime. That is something you need to be planned ahead as well when you think about doing business, operating your business in China. The last thing I want to mention is the、uh, the thing that Lisa mentioned at the beginning relates to the drone business、um, or the technology company is that in China we also have this technology control regime as well. We all heard that U.S. have this technology export control. In China, we have technology export control regime as well. We don't use that very often in the past because、uh, we in China we haven't developed a lot of、uh, advanced technology, but we do have this regime. And actually, since 2015, certain type of drone technology has been included in the export control regime in China as well.、Mm. So always need to check if you bring your technology in. If you are able to bring your technology out later, yeah, yeah. okay, gosh, okay. Clearly, there's a lot to think about.、Um, you know, in the context of not just the drone regulation, but the general foreign investment export controls, other types of regulation as well. Should you want to get into this business in in the U.S. or China, actually? So, I, I guess. Why don't we we think about a couple of tips? Do you both have tips or best practices, ideas that companies should implement or think about in order to maximize their success when looking to get into this type of market? Yes, no, absolutely. I'm happy to start there. And I would also just mention on some of the export and like security issues, we've, we're definitely seeing a lot of that. That Lou described in China, we're definitely seeing a lot of that here, and in, especially with the increased tensions between the countries. And there's been some efforts. 
on the Hill recently, there's legislation out there that would, for example, prohibit the use of Chinese-made drones on behalf of the U.S. government for federal procurement. I knew we were going to get to that at some point. That was I knew I knew at the beginning where are we going to get to on that. Thank you for raising that. That's very interesting. So there's a lot that we're watching here. There's a lot that um, there's a lot happening, and it's obviously very fast moving, but definitely something that there's a lot of it of focus on um, here in DC right now. So you asked about, you know, what companies should do if you're looking to establish a drone program in order to maximize success. And I think that there are a number of things. First of all, just I would start planning now, even if it's not something that, you know, you want to start flying tomorrow. It takes a little while. It takes some advanced effort in order to really get your program in place. You know, I would start with a written policy for the company drone program. While we've discussed some of the federal aviation regulations in the Part 1 seven, which sets minimum requirements for regulatory compliance around drone use. But there are definitely best practices and requirements that companies can voluntarily adopt that could go far beyond the basic minimum requirements. And that's something that you'd want to think about for your company. Just as one example here, like it may be a good idea to establish an internal training program to ensure that pilots are proficient in the drone being operated. You know, we talked about some of the training requirements. Lou mentioned that in the China context, for very low-risk flights here in the U.S., Part 107 only requires a knowledge exam. It doesn't actually require any demonstration that, or test flights. So that could be something that you require of your own pilots, for example. You know, we've talked about some of the privacy issues, you know, and while the FAA regulations don't address privacy issues, and of course, there are many privacy laws and rules that are already on the books that broadly apply in a technology-neutral way, it's important to be aware of those, and companies may want to consider developing a company privacy and data retention policy for their own drone use. Um, I would also just say, you know, of course, stay abreast of the regulatory requirements at the federal level, and then also, of course, as we've talked about, understanding the state and local regulations for where operations will occur is also very important. Great. Thank you so much, Lisa. How about, how about for China, Lou? I think China is not that unique in terms of um, this. It's just basically we have dealt with uh, clients once you come to China. Always uh, we found it's very useful that you plan your business beforehand and uh, get yourself well prepared. You need to understand what you want to do in China whether there's any restrictions and what is your market position in China. If you come to China, definitely you are facing quite some um, challenges or competitions from the local local companies, drone companies. And um, if you want to compete with them or if you can find a way to partner with them, that could help you with uh, your, your market share, get more market share in China. And also, as I mentioned that like in agriculture space, you probably are able to get some subsidy in China as well. So never forget about that part when you plan your business in China. And I think uh, that's basically pretty much what I have here. And uh, just in addition to what Lisa said, I would see. Well, that's that's incredibly interesting and helpful, uh, uh, both of you, both understanding, you know, the regulatory environment, the opportunities and the, the sort of practical key points. I guess... Why don't we finish up by giving a quick recap? Um, so if someone is just listening to the end of this, the summary notes kind of thing, what are the most important things that, that our clients in the space need to keep in mind? Lisa? Sure. I mean, I think one way to kind of summarize what, what Lou and I have talked about is, you know, the legal and regulatory framework for drone operations 
both in the U.S. and abroad, including in China, is is very dynamic at the moment. And regulators and governments are trying to keep up with rapid advancements in drone technology. So it's important to stay educated on these regulatory and legal issues for where you are operating. It's also important to educate policymakers, especially here in the U.S. You can really make a difference in how the regulations turn out. So that, you know, whether it's filing public comments to propose rules or otherwise educating regulators about what the technologies are that are out there, what the capabilities are. You know, there are a lot of technologies that can actually solve many of the policy issues that we've talked about today, right? So there's geofencing technology that can keep drones from flying in sensitive airspace that can help alleviate some of the security concerns. There's the unmanned traffic management systems that can enable highways in the sky. But regulators really need to understand how that technology works in order to enable it. And keep in mind that while there are incredible safety and efficiency benefits to drone use, and there's a, a ton of opportunity here, but you, you do need to be ready. And if something can go wrong, it may go wrong. And so plan for that, you know, plan for what might go wrong and have your company drone policies and procedures in place before something happens. Yeah, that, that seems like, like very good advice. Lou, anything additional to add for China? Uh, I think it's just basically, I think China, the regulations in drones is towards to more practical and more favorable to the drone operators, manufacturers or other drone related business players. So just, uh, we just want to keep up with the development of the drone regulations, just be prepared for the uncertainties. If you come to China, it's not only about drones. You have to look for other regulations as well. And uh, you will need to get um, experts like us to help. Lisa and Lou, thanks so much for joining us today. It was really an absolute pleasure to speak with you on such a fascinating topic. I know some of my trading house clients here in Japan are really started to look at drones and to think about how they can use them in their different businesses. So I will definitely be forwarding a link to this podcast to them. And as always, you can find us on DI Think Tech on Podbean, Google Play, and iTunes. And you can join our conversation by tagging hashtag HLThinkTech on social media. Thank you very much for listening.